Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to AI Named This Show. I'm Tasia Custody. And I'm Tristan Jutra. And he is delirious and also <laughs> one half of your human hosts. <laughs> I'm maybe like a quarter today. <laughs> On this week's episode, Google unveils yet another AI product. We learn the difference between tokens and parameters, and we figure out if AI could replace the apps on your phone. All this and more coming up. <laughs> Okay, Tristan, you ready for this? Hello? Okay. I'm going to nail it. I've been practicing. <laughs> I'm Good luck. Okay. Sawidi. Sawidi. To our listeners uh, in Thailand. Oh, it's pretty good. I love me some Thai food. It Is might this... be Sawadi. <laughs> Sawadi. Yeah, I might have so, screwed like, it up. <laughs> well done. So, I think I'm we so should... sorry. Sawadi. To our listeners in Thailand. It's there we you, go. It's not that you can't pronounce things. It's just you just don't know how to read. It's, <laughs> AI it's, has ruined our brains. It's a bit of everything, Tristan. I, I think we should have a, make a pact that whoever we greet that week, we should go and celebrate by enjoying some of their fine cuisine. Yes. <laughs> and today's episode, you know what? We're not talking about AI. We're talking about food. <laughs> Actually, we're going to do a speed run through some follow-up. Starting Please with do. Grok with a Q. So oh, you boy. may recall last week we uh, talked about Grok with a Q. And um, part of these follow-ups, a little, part of it's a little mea culpa. Sometimes when, you know, you have a job and a life and a couple of podcasts, you're running around trying to do things. And sometimes you, you miss a couple of details here and there. And this is just a little thing. But one of the things that we uh, that I failed to mention when we were talking about Grok with a Q, and remember, this is the world's first LPU, or language processing unit. Well, part of that is inference engine, was a phrase that they've been tossing around in their marketing materials. And we didn't even mention that phrase on last week's episode. So uh, my bad on that one. So just to recapitulate a little bit. Grok with a Q, not to be confused with Elon Musk's and XAI's Grok with a K, they're building these language processing units, which are intended to help speed up large language models, particularly open source ones, unless some of the closed source ones want to buy their chips. And we did some testing and sure, yeah, makes things super fast, but if the models aren't great, you're just going to get fast crap. So the the ideal world is you get super fast chips on the best models, and we'll see if that actually happens. There's been some questions as to whether this architecture can scale. Watch this space for more information. But regarding 
inference engines specifically. Um, and the Grok inference engine is this hardware-based system that accelerates AI and ML tasks, so artificial intelligence and machine learning tasks, such as real-time prediction models. It's optimized for tensor operations. So that was one of the, uh, you, know, you may recall the word tensor from Google, Google you know, TensorFlow chips and all that sort of stuff. Um, so making it efficient for deep learning applications like image and speech recognition, natural language processing, or NLP. Not to be confused with neuro-linguistic neuro programming that self-help people are on, and that's a thing too. This is natural language processing and recommendation systems. Like Again, very popular and useful for the web. By offloading compute-intensive tasks to specialized hardware that Grok produces, Grok delivers faster more accurate results than software-based decisions. Uh, sorry, solutions. So the whole, the whole part of their whole value proposition is that you know, the software is great, but if the hardware is not super tuned for AI applications, then you're you're missing uh, you're missing some benefits there. So in, Nvidia is basically repurposing their you know their graphics processors because they found that a lot of the type of vector calculations used for graphics processing is uh, very much in alignment with AI, but it wasn't designed for AI. So of course, you know, Nvidia will be working on that too. But Grok is trying to seize the opportunity to uh, get in there and see if they can capture some market share because Nvidia. Is is a monster in the market right now. They just hit $2 trillion in market cap, and they're really on a roll. So is there space for others? Intel's trying to get into the game, too. They're, they've kind of been left behind. You know, ARM's trying to get into it. How many, how many players is there room for? So that's just a little bit on the inference engine that we didn't really, we didn't use those words last week, so I just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, that we covered it. Another kind of technical thing we touched on last week was uh, parameters. And again, Maybe it's lack of sleep. I said, oh, yeah, don't worry. We talked about, we, we explained parameters a couple of weeks ago and go and listen to that episode. Yeah, but I agreed with you. Yeah, well, we're both wrong. How about that? Because what we explained previously <laughs> we was actually, it? it was tokens we explained, Whoops. right? And it's Sorry. easy to get these things. In. It's not your fault. It's like, so, um, so just to clarify, because we were talking about, uh, you know, parameters in the context of large language models or LLMs. And what parameters are, they're tiny pieces of learned information that help the model, uh, the, the LLM model, um, uh, the LLM, understand and generate language. Similar to how individual facts and experiences shape a person's ability to communicate, the parameters are adjusted during the model's training process to improve its responses. So as mentioned a couple of weeks ago, a token refers to the smallest unit of text that the model can understand, such as a word or a part of a word, whereas a parameter is a learned aspect of the model that influences how it processes and generates the, the, the text that a user is inputting. So think of tokens as the individual pieces of a puzzle that the model works with, and the parameters are the rules and strategies it learns to put the puzzle pieces together effectively. So the parameters are part of the model itself, part of the LLM, part of its brain, shaped and fine-tuned during the training process with its large data sets, and they're not directly visible or manipulable, say that three times, by <laughs> users and remain embedded within the model's architecture, guiding its decision-making process. Tokens, on the other hand, are part of the input data provided by us when we interact with the model. So the model uses the tokens to understand our queries and then generates a relevant response based on its learned parameters. So they kind of go hand in hand. The parameters on the LLM side, the uh, tokens are on our side. That's the token. It's kind of like pumping tokens into a, an arcade machine, right? And see, see what the parameters do with this and how long our game lasts before it's game over. 
Dun, dun, see, dun. see episode one for game over. <laughs> All right. So that's 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 okay. parameters for you. Thank you for you, clarifying that. I hope it clears mud. Uh, another quick bit of Is everybody two more bits following of along? <laughs> yeah, right? You get your scorecard. Another little bit of uh, follow-up. We talked uh, last week about Reddit licensing its content to Google to train uh, its LLMs. And we mentioned the figure $60 billion. Uh, well, one thing I, I missed there in, in reporting that, it's not simply $60 billion. Sorry. Uh, it's not $60 billion. It's $60 million. It's What the hell's wrong with me? Million. million, yes. Yeah, okay, it's that's per one year. Thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's but we didn't say per year. I, didn't I say said per, I said per year. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. Check the so, tapes, everybody. Yeah. And it's not million. It's it's, it's not billion. It's million. I certainly said per uh, year, right. and I said million. Yeah, but one thing we didn't mention, Tasia, is your nunk, because he is kind of involved in that story in the sense that he owns a certain amount of Reddit, and here you got Google. You know, paying money to Reddit, and then <laughs> Sam Altman being a, ostensibly a competitor of Google, doing this stuff with OpenAI, mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of making it so the rich get richer. Now, there was a lot of uh, hyperbolic headlines about that, saying, "Oh, Sam Altman's making a billion dollars uh, out of this deal because of the uh, because of Reddit's going to go into IPO and all this, and uh, Google's helping to boost their uh, IPO price, et cetera, et cetera." Honestly. Not financial advice, but take a look at Reddit. It might be worth looking at because they've kind of got a bit of a renaissance recently after all the drama of uh, last year's uh, API business and, and whatnot. Anyhow, so just a reality check on what Sam Altman actually owns of Reddit. So people, so according to the cap table in the Reddit's filing, it's it's not Sam Altman per se. It's entities affiliated with Sam Altman own an 8.7% stake in the company. And that, you know, of course, there's hundreds of thousands. It's almost 800,000 Class A shares and about just over 11 million Class B shares. Now, we're not a finance show, but just setting the table here. But just because the shares are affiliated with Altman doesn't mean they are his. So there's actually... Uh, five different ent- entities that own these shares between them. So Apollo Projects, SPV-B, Altman Holdco, uh, another Apollo Projects, and Apollo Projects, SPV-A. Uh, so uh, SPVs are special purpose vehicles, I believe. Uh, maybe, are they also known as SPACs? Is that a different thing? And there's also Hydrazine Capital Two, because we like to name things like they, so they sound like science fiction uh, <laughs> elements. Hydra, I love, have you tried hydrazine? It's great. It, make, it totally enhances your life. So Sam Altman doesn't own 8.7% of Reddit. He owns, he has stakes in a number of different entities that own. So he owns, a, a, you know, X percent of one of these entities, Y percent of another one of these entities, and so on. And if you really want to go down to the rabbit hole, go for it. It's like, super, it's a little too boring. We spent too much time on it, but we didn't mention his uh, his stake in that story last week. And it's just kind of interesting that, you know, there's, comp- you know, there's competitors, Google's, you know, giving money to Reddit. He owns a stake in Reddit. You know, like I said, the rich get richer. Until the AI takes it all from us. But well, you're not the only one with follow-up. <laughs> and there's a little bit more Google for us, apparently. Well, if you recall, was it show? last week when uh-huh. we, uh, you know, Google Gemini, they had to pull the image generation of people. And we weren't sure when we were going to get it back. And we kind of have a timeline-ish. So Google has said, it'll take a few weeks to rectify the person generation issue in Gemini. So that's our new timeline is a few weeks. But I thought it might be interesting. I I pulled a quote from CEO Sundar Pinchai that he 
from an email he wrote to employees. And I thought you might find it interesting, Tristan, because he basically told the employees that the results offended our users. <laughs> so I want to just read you a little bit of this email. He says, quote, I know that some of its responses have offended our users and shown bias. To be clear, that's completely unacceptable. And we got it wrong. And he went on to say, we'll be del- we'll be driving a clear set of actions, including structural changes, updated product guidelines, improved launch processes, robust evals and red teaming, and technical recommendations. So I thought this was important because if you also remember last week, we had talked about maybe some things that they could do to that this wouldn't happen because I was on the side of the naivete, if you recall. Surprise, surprise. I was very much, their heart was in the right place. (laughs) I liked the diverse images I was given, but I wasn't asking for anything historically accurate, nor was I trying to trick it and produce images of Nazi soldiers. So (laughs) that's, that's the only update I really have for you from them at this point was a little bit of them saying them owning you know i like when people own their mistakes mm-hmm. and it and, seems like they did i and, also love that none of these companies can have a freaking internal email without it getting leaked <laughs> well, what nda <laughs> so, and kudos to sundar bachai for a full-throated uh sort of a, a I don't know if it's an apology because it wasn't really public. I think there's there's probably a public aspect uh, aspect to it, of course. But the internal memo, sure, like okay, guys, this is clear uh, that we need to fix this. I think there may have been some pressure, maybe from shareholders or whatnot, because in the public after our show, there was like it continued. This continued to boil over this this whole issue, and there's, people were trying all sorts of queries, not just to the image generation aspects of of the uh, Gemini AI model that Google unveiled very proudly, and after well, rebadging Barge basically Bard Barge, <laughs> and um, you know they've got their you know their three their three flavors: the the Nano, the Pro, and the uh, the Ultra, and we're starting to see it on on devices and on the web. Cool stuff, and then the image generation capabilities, amazing. But there's 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 the models, there's lang- the language models, the image generation models, and then there's the layers on top, and it's those layers on top that can separate, especially with when it comes to the open source stuff. Now, this isn't open source per se, but when you see other players that are using open source models, uh, say from uh, from Anthropic or Meta or what have you, they differentiate by adding certain specialties, adding certain guardrails, removing certain guardrails, so that they're, the, the, the tools are best suited for different types of purposes. Now, what's happening is that the special sauce that Google was adding was very concerned with safety and things like you know diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it seemed like it went a little overboard, like we discussed, as so much so as to be ahistorical. And that's not good because that's just another type of misinformation when people are trying to generate, his, you know, historically accurate images. And it's just pumping all these things that are just like for the sake of diversity that are just totally wrong. Unless you're asking for, you know, oh, imagine if the founding fathers were people of color. And, and that's a different story. But, you know, there are some contexts where 
you know, it, like for example, the having the Nazi soldiers being people of color. I mean, that could be offensive to people of color because, like, nah, we weren't part of that. Like, you keep that to yourself, right? And it wasn't even asking for Nazi. He was saying German soldiers because yeah, if you because enter you're Nazi, not allowed, well, yeah, you're not even supposed to. They use the word soldier instead of. Again, Whatever. but I like, mean, but, but why? I mean, why the hell can't you make an image of a soldier? I mean, like, how? I can't many... even make an image of a rocket ship right now. <sighs> right? Like, it's, I was it's... trying to generate an image of a border collie. Yeah, its floppy ears blowing in the wind as it rides a rocket ship oh. through the universe. <laughs> with a, you know, like I made this whole long prompt, well, which it's probably by a V2 the way, rocket like the Nazis made, right? Yeah, it was based off of like prompt engineering tips I got directly yeah. from yeah. Google. And I kept getting this like spit back of like, we can't generate this. And I was like, what the heck? And so then I thought to myself, I wonder if it's the rocket ship. Because I was like, it definitely is fine with a border collie and space. And so I took that piece out, bang, generated the image. And I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> can't even generate a rocket ship. <laughs> so very, qu very quickly, I actually went to town. With I took a bunch of the prompts that people were posting on X and and other other places that you know like like can you believe it it's not you know it's it's generating these sorts of things that are completely historical et cetera yeah. et cetera or refusing to generate uh, and so I thought well I'm just going to go into ChatGPT and or Dali and see what it does uh, now results were generally much better to be to be fair. Uh, unfortunately, when I'm trying to load it now, none of the images are loading. So I don't know if it's a Google Chrome issue or what, but uh, I'll Perfect. just give you a, a quick a high level um, uh, aspect of it. So you, you, oh, you, you ask it to depict a Hispanic scientist, a black scientist, and it did so very well. Um, and then one of the concerns people are having is depict a white scientist and Gemini wouldn't. It's like, what do you want a white scientist for? What are you, a racist? Like, that's it's that kind of overboard stuff that was making people a little bit crazy. But was so, it actually doing that every time? Or were there two keyboard warriors on X being like, well, it won't produce white people? Because, by the yeah, way, yeah. it produced white people for me. Well, because It just you gave me a diverse power. set. Like, and I didn't, I wasn't asking for any type of whatever. Yeah. It, so it did. So that's why I'm like, really? Was it not doing it at all? Or is it just two keyboard warriors on right. X? Well, I mean, if again, X the platform, people, not the people drug. Are, well, maybe both. So, and, and again, we're not here to like. We don't. The, the billion dollar companies or trillion dollar, multi trillion dollar companies can defend themselves. It's not. Uh, you know, we need to look for the truth, of course. And you know, some people were replicating. Of course, some people are always trying to break these things. But there was just more and more, and a lot of, and a lot of it wasn't simply keyboard. But it was like a lot of normies out there too, going, "Oh my God, I can't believe it's doing this or it's not doing this." So I try to again. So I just went through a bunch of the examples. Greek philosophers, yeah, it made them look like Greek philosophers. You know, they generally looked a certain way. They came out, they, you know, the traditional way. There wasn't any enforced uh, diversity there. Again, this is using uh, chat GPT. Uh, a Scottish scene of 1820 looked like Scottish people in 1820 probably looked. A Roman king looked probably like a Roman king did. And these were the sort of prompts that were generating all these forced diversity uh, type of results uh, for, for people. Let's just say 80% of the time, chat GPT was just doing just fine. One thing it would not do was... 1943 German soldier. It just said, look, I'm not going to do it. So it didn't try to give up, you know, a diverse result. It just mm -hmm. wouldn't do it. So that's, so that's the question. It's like, would you, would, would you rather it just didn't do it? Or would you rather it gave you something that was like historically inaccurate? So I think a lot of the uh, LLM makers are, are, are a little spooked by this. And so we've talked about AI safety in the past. And like, this is a different kind of AI safety. This isn't end of the world safety. It's like, people's feelings of safety and yeah. that kind of thing, which is a thing, but 
at, at the tool, you don't want to make the you don't want to neuter the tools entirely, right? So just to, not to belabor this point, but just a couple of things that add, that shed a little bit of light into this whole scenario, and that the uh, product head of Google Gemini this is this is something that. It, it's, it's good for the goose. It's good for the gander and a lot of this stuff. Some people went back into his Twitter history and found, and he is a, a um, <sighs> yeah. So this this person is a, you know, just a, a white guy, a white tech guy. Some people may use the W word for him or whatever. I don't generally use that word, but there's a lot of like self-loathing white guy kind of tweets in there and talking about white privilege and this and that and the other thing. So it's apparent that there's some of the leadership has a certain agenda, and they were kind of like overcorrecting. Ben Ben Thompson from Stratechery has a really interesting article talking about company culture, and Google's culture has gone a certain way over the years. He used the the history of Microsoft as a different example of culture gone wrong, and how um, they missed the mobile opportunity. For example, they got too cocky, etc. There's different kinds of cultures in different in, in various companies, and that affects the decisions they make, both strategic and and uh, tactical. So it's it's a good read. Again, some people accuse Ben Thompson. Ben Thompson has been you know, around for a long time. There's always very thoughtful articles. But again, some of this, this whole stuff gets a little too culture war for my tastes, unfortunately. But company culture is a thing. And the leadership of a company, you know, impacts and the, you know, and the attitudes imp, imp, impact what we're seeing on the ground and what you see in the tools. So that's a real thing that people need to, uh, you know, bear in mind that's all well and also the fact that i will always say they could have well-intentioned meanings and it could just not be executed properly so the other thing people need to keep in mind is like a lot of these big tech corporations share the same values and are probably doing a lot of the same stuff behind the scenes so i think this you know like i think it got overblown on a platform and people got really excited to hone in and say, but what about me? I'm white. <laughs> it's like, they're going to fix it. They realize it was an error. I'm still on the side of, I think they, it was a well-meaning thing to show diversity in 99% of your prompts. That would be great. Unless you're specifically asking for a specific thing, right? I get it. And so that's why I think it was well-meaning. It was like how I said to you, the stuff I was getting back I was impressed. I liked that it wasn't just like a white woman or a white blonde woman. And I was like, sweet, look at this. Blah, blah. Not at all thinking. Not at all asking for historical references or things like that. So I just think it's all blown out of proportion. And we'll see how it comes back in a few weeks. And how they recover from this is going to be the interesting thing. All right. Last fall, we talked about the Humane AI pin, one of a number of uh, AI devices that is hitting the market. And this one is coming in a month or two, $6.99 US. Well, it, it popped up at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona in just earlier this week. And it wasn't a ton to report, although we're seeing some reporters who are maybe not from the super AI-obsessed press looking at it a little more closely, and you're seeing some in more mainstream press as well. But one from uh, Chris Smith at Boy Genius Reports said, I had a little article, just a recap, you know, a refresher, 12 things I learned about the Humane AI pin at Mobile World Congress 2024. We'll just do a speed run through these. Humane needs better marking. Yeah, I think we can agree there. I mean, they are so they were so low-key in their video. They need to, like, if it's as good as it, it, it could be, they need to, like, shout it from the rooftops. It's smaller than he thought. 
He said, they said the voice control works very well. When it speaks back to you, it can be a little on the loud side, so not entirely private. The laser display is, is amazing, but annoying. I think it looks super cool. Maybe it's uh, annoying in terms of the... Um, well, your palm doesn't lie flat, so every time exactly. you move... Exactly. Well, yeah. we can get surgery for that. Um, <laughs> controlling the screen will take time to master. So again, because that's the cool thing about the laser projection is that it's interactive with moving your fingers and whatnot. Of course, the staff could do it, but they were well-trained. Again, you got to make it easier for normies as well. Logging into your AI pin will be a huge pain. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, passwords and whatnot through voice interfaces. So I'm not sure if you're going to be able to do that using a smartphone, for example. It sounds like it's very secure. It won't train its AI in your data, which I guess is great from a privacy perspective, but maybe not so great in that it's not going to learn much about you, which, yeah. And apparently it won't work like the Rabbit R1. So we've also talked about the Rabbit R1, which is a little device that almost looks like, uh, you know, a Samsung Galaxy Flip or something, except without the flip part, just like a little square smartphone-ish type device. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it wants to ditch the smartphone apps and direct connect directly to your APIs. Uh, apparently, uh, the R1 will teach itself to navigate apps, and uh, Humane isn't going that way. Humane is more... Is, I, I think it's going to be limited in the amount of things it can do because humane is humane uh, sort of mo is to look at apps and interact with them, and I think humane just wants to avoid apps altogether. Uh, expansion in Europe is possible, so we're coming out in the U.S. first, and the price it says is a necessary evil, as you recall, six ninety nine U.S. plus twenty four dollars per month because you get a dedicated mm -hmm. mobile connection. I think that's going to be a deal breaker for a, a lot of folks, unfortunately. So, um, you mean still going? We'll see when it comes out in a couple months. Um, but Tasia, they're they're not the only ones uh, doing AI mobile devices. Of course, we're going to see. AI smarts coming into our smartphones slowly but surely. We've got apps. Eventually, they'll get baked into the uh, OS level even more. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. More. But at Mobile World Congress this week, there was uh, another company touting its wares. And uh, the company called Brain AI in collaboration with Deutsche Telekom. And the story there is AI not learning to use your apps like in the, with the Rabbit R1. It's AI replacing apps, more of the humane AI pin uh, approach, except this is still in a smartphone. So they've developed a, a concept phone called the T-Phone, 
which like T-Mobile might want to have a word. Like it's Deutsche Telekom and you're calling mm-hmm. this a T-phone? Come on, guys. Why not the B-phone for brain? Anyhow. Yes. Uh, so developed by Deutsche Telekom and Brain AI, demonstrates how AI can radically transform phone interactions. So instead of it relying on traditional apps that we've all been using for the last couple of decades now, T-Phone uses generative and interactive AI to create a natural sort of back and forth interaction for tasks. It constructs custom interfaces on the fly based on contextual understanding, allowing you to navigate tasks uh, seamlessly. So the CEO of Deutsche Telekom, his name is Tim... Um, Hurtges, uh, he predicts that the phone apps will become obsolete within the, within the next five to ten years due to AI advancements. TBD on that one. The uh, T-Phone's AI taps into services APIs, determining which tools and informations are necessary for specific commands, even on budget devices where computing occurs in the cloud. So the idea here is like, okay, well, you might not need the apps, just the APIs for the services that those apps are traditionally an interface into, right? And then instead, you're just using your uh, voice or you're you know, manipulating the interface there, but it's not the app per se. It's the information that these APIs are generating to you, and it makes a custom interface for you, I suppose. Now, the Brain AI, which is also known as Brain Technologies, its CEO and founder, Jerry Yu, envisions generative AI as foundational for the next generation of devices. So its OS is built on top of the Android kernel and it integrates generative AI into the system, shaping how users interact with the device and how it responds. So while the future of smartphones may not uh, entirely replace uh, form factors, generative AI could redefine how we use and navigate our devices. So Google and Qualcomm are also investing in generative AI for smartphones, aiming to enhance uh, user experiences and interactions. So AI-driven interfaces that go beyond traditional apps are poised to revolutionize smartphone interactions, if companies like Deutsche Telekom and Brain AI have their way, making them more intuitive and efficient. So Tasia, what is the catch as you see it with these guys trying to make apps go away on their special smartphone? Uh, you know, I always say when the, the uptake is too big... Like, we're all in an ecosystem. You want me to get out of the ecosystem and go to, to what ecosystem? Another one? But then I still have the other ecosystem. And, Do you understand? Yeah. And don't we think that Apple and Google will be baking in AI pretty deep into their yes. OSs soon enough? And so if this model is saying, let these guys be the R&D lab, sure. And then Google and Apple will just take their best ideas and refine them. <laughs> like, especially yes. given that they're building this on Android. Right? So... <clears throat> Now, to be fair, the company uh, has some apps that you can download. Now, if you want a taste of, of how they approach things, there's uh, two apps that they currently have in the App Store. One's called Imagica, which there's a, a waiting list for, so I didn't get to try that one. And the other one is, uh, only, is, wasn't available in Canada, but I have a U.S. iTunes account. Um, App Store account, I guess we don't really say iTunes anymore. And it's called Natural. And the idea that some of the functionality is similar to what they're talking about in this dedicated phone. Again, interacting with the the APIs and bringing data. So, you know, the whole idea of having it to do things for you, kind of like Rabbit AI, right? So similar approach. So the Rabbit approach is like, we're not trying to replace your smartphone. Uh, you still need a smartphone. And then you've got these guys. No, this is a smartphone, and we're just going to do kind of what Rabbit's doing, but it's going to be in a smartphone, which is a form factor you know and love, and you don't need a second device. So I think maybe this has a better chance than Rabbit, but what chance are you really going to have against Google and Apple at the end of the day? Like, you're, I mean, you could be a niche player, but this, this kind of tech is kind of just going to be everywhere at the base layer of these operating systems sooner than we know, I think. 
I feel like Apple always crushes their software, so. <laughs> Siri. Um, so well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Except for Siri. <laughs> they, get, they, they sometimes start strong and then just, like, get distracted. Like, they spend 10 years, you know, working on a car that, that then they maybe they cancel that. So that'll happen this week. Yeah, yeah. but that's Project the thing Titan, is, bye-bye. like, because, why? They realized we've got the software, CarPlay, that all the manufacturers are putting in the car anyway. Because the manufacturers suck because their thing is cars. Our thing is software. Doy. Wish you could have realized that yeah. before spending billions of dollars on yeah. on, so a, we, <laughs> on a physical car. We just need the software. Yeah, low margins, high risk. Why why not? Uh, so we're not really covering the project killing Apple killing Project Titan this week because it's a super AI story. But I suspect they stripped the project for AI parts because there was a lot of research there. Because the, yeah. there's not just the EV portion, but the autonomous driving portion. So there's a lot of stuff. With you know, with image recognition, you know, real time video processing, all that sort of stuff. So, probably some of that tech made it into the Apple Vision Pro. I wouldn't be surprised, and or you know, especially with future software updates as they start to integrate more AI into Apple's products, including that one. So, I, not all not all for nothing, but it was like a ten year kind of a distraction. So they're they're. Stock ticked upwards when rumors got out, according to Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, anyway, that Apple's killing this. So maybe people thinking, okay, now Apple can focus again, making mm-hmm. its you know focus on the Apple Vision Pro, you know, you know, reinvigorate the iPhone, the iPad, and and you know they've been doing pretty well with the Mac lately. So maybe this is this is a good thing, despite the fact that some of us you know would have been excited by the idea of an, an Apple car, even if it was going to start at a hundred grand US. Oh, wah, boy. Wah. Well, but uh, Google's got some news. You know one of my favorite Speaking things. Tech, future tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More Google products and names. <laughs> so Google has officially unveiled Genie. Like, like, I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Thank you. That's my Christina Aguilera. So we've got Gemini, Gemma, and Genie. Now you have I, I Genie. S- I see a trend coming on here. Yes, and Genie oh, wait, when's, is... When's Gewurzemeiner? <laughs> Now, Jeannie is, she's, I'm calling her a she, it's an AI model creating playable virtual worlds from a single image. So Google researchers have published a new AI model that takes text prompt, sketch, or just an idea and turns it into a virtual world that you can interact and play with. I know. So Genie was trained on gameplay and other videos found online, and it's currently just in like a research preview state. So the games like picture more like kind of 2D like games. So the team lead for Genie, Tim Rockdeshell, I think that's how you say his name. He wrote on X that the team is focused on scale using a data set made up of more than 200,000 hours of video from 2D platforms. So here's why I tell you this and why I think it's very cool because there's already like a lot of tools on the market that can basically take a graphic designer's mock-up of say like a website or maybe like a mobile devs mock-up of like an app and then turn it into code but first of all it's not always necessarily accurate i mean they can sometimes get like a functional prototype out of that but with genie you basically just have to give it like a sketch on a piece of paper think like digital art or even AI generated depiction of something of like a 2D world and then genie does the rest of the work like a genie you have three <laughs> wishes <laughs> one of them is please don't destroy the world AI exactly so it generates 
the images and other assets that's needed to make your sketch into a fully realized open world. And then it predicts what's coming next. So it predicts that next pixel frame based on provided actions from the player. I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here for a second. The creators used a tokenizer, so thank you for telling us about tokens, <laughs> that compressed the video into discrete tokens. That is then sent to an action model to encode transitions between two frames as one of eight latent actions. Then another model is used to predict future frames. And do you know what that is? What the point of this nerdy rant is, Tristan? This is the Do same, it's the same kind of nerdiness that OpenAI figured out with Sora that we just talked about. Was it last week? God, I can't remember. A couple weeks ago, yeah. A couple weeks ago. So it's, by the way, also the same compute power, which we've harped on a lot about on this show, is how much this takes to run all of these AI models. So the other cool thing to note about genie is that it's got a deeper understanding of real world physics which could be really useful if we think of like i know we've talked about robotics before and so if you were thinking of it in terms of training robots to more effectively navigate environments and complete tasks that weren't necessarily in their training so that i'm kind of looking at it as like what the application could mean for other applications you know what i'm saying so after i've hyped this up to you Here's the catch. It does not have a release date yet. <laughs> so as I said, it is only as a research project as of now. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Sora doesn't either. So correct. Cool. But it's, it's, it's neat that we're getting to see glimpses of these things. Correct. But because it's a research project, we don't even know if it's ever going to become a real project. But we can hope. It's very, very cool. And I have hope for what it means for like other applications like that. That's it's kind of being able to figure out these nuances and training things like this. And and then we're off to the races. Uh, so some of the headlines are kind of wild. It's like, oh, are we close to the holodeck? Like, gotta love clickbait. So a holodeck from Star Trek where you go into uh, a room and all of a sudden you're engaging in this realistic encounter with all sorts of other like, in, you know, AI driven characters and other humans, I suppose. And somehow things have solidity to them <laughs> like okay let's let's pump the brakes a little very cool tool for the the rapid development of a, additional levels or worlds for for gameplay a lot of the examples they show are, are platformer games the 2d style which again you want to you got to walk before you can run and yeah i mean I, I always enjoyed say back in the back in the 80s playing um Jumpman and Load Runner and games like that. I think Load Runner, there was a level editor and you can make your own. So there's level editors for variety of games. Some people have hacked level editors for stuff like Super Mario Brothers. And that's always kind of fun, like building your own levels and then trying to play them and then seeing how they maybe sometimes become impractical or even impossible. So one of the catch with something like this is that, okay, cool, creating playable virtual worlds, but it, will it be smart enough to figure out if those worlds are actually playable and then just don't end up in, you know, certain traps or impossible sort of situations. But you start with 2D, you go into 3D and think of all the design time it could possibly save. Of course, 
you know, that could affect potential designer jobs and whatnot. But again, designers could be using these tools to guide them because a lot of times when we just let these things make stuff on their own, the results can be substandard. So it's, again, using the human and AI as partners in designing these things will help accelerate. And then you're never going to have to do anything ever again except for play video games because there'll be like literally limitless worlds. Yay. So never, you don't have to leave the house. Yay. <laughs> and then eventually we get to holodeck, but not for a while. Maybe not, we're a while. We're a ways away. All right, Tristan, do you have a tool for us? I have one that came across the AI name of the show desk this week. Speaking of image generation, and this one <gasps> is called SDXL Lightning, and you can find it at fastsdxl.ai. I encourage everyone who's listening, like, go to, jump on your computer or you know, switch your phone. Keep listening to us. Go to fastsdxl.ai and look at the image generator there. This is, you know, unlike any image generator you may have ever seen before, it comes with a built-in prompt for you that you can start with, or you can go and create your own. But it says, so it starts off with a cinematic shot of a baby raccoon wearing an intricate Italian priest robe. It is so oh. freaking cute. But look at that. But I'm gonna change that. I don't want an Italian priest robe. I want a kimono. Let's let's see here. In real time. Oh my God, what's it's happening? Changed. Boop, now we're in a kimono. Let's make it uh, a tiger wearing a flight suit. <laughs> See how fast that is? It's crazy. Okay. How about instead of a cinematic shot? Uh, yeah, I'll keep it cinematic. Instead of wearing a, a, an intricate flight suit, let's. how about a uh, superhero? Whoops. I'll, oh, no, I just deleted it all. A superhero outfit. Doo -doo -doo. So literally, as Tristan is typing, it you can see the image morphing is how i would describe it <laughs> it morphs into exactly what the prompt is that he's given it oh it's a tiger riding a motorcycle hey ask it for a border collie riding a rocket ship okay in the sky and see gonna, if it produced a rocket i'm ship gonna keep for it you. cinematic because that's good a cinematic shot of a <clears throat> border collie doing what Riding a rocket ship Riding in the sky. Oh, that border collie is so cute. Guys, as he's typing, sky. it's literally producing different border collies, and oh, it's happened? so cute. Oh, it's a rocket. What happened? We lost the rocket. Not perfect. Oh, it's interesting. It's not generating the rocket. It's <gasps> not generating a rocket. Oh, wow. You guys, you heard it here first. It's, it's gone woke. <laughs> Oh, there's the a rocket in the alone. background. Oh, there's a rocket in the background. Okay. It so, looks yeah, like you're... it's taking off as part of the rocket. <laughs> okay. So how about riding a, a spaceship in the sky? Oh, That's there a it tiny is. Spaceship. <laughs> uh, it's a little, how about a large spaceship? No, that's not very. So it's really you're cool. Again, it prompt engineering is still a thing, even when you're doing it in real time. That's my latest YouTube video. Go check it out. How about that? All right. So again, that's fastsdxl.ai. The the app is known. Uh, the website is known as SDXL Lightning. This is very it's cool. Lightning fast. We'll put it in the show notes. Of course, as well as your video. Sure. Yes, because you all will have to know how to prompt. Guys, these border collies are pretty cute. But that little raccoon when you first brought this up was so stinking cute. <laughs> Should we bring him back? Let's bring him, let's bring him back. Bring back the raccoon. There's a baby raccoon. Oh, look at the baby raccoon. <laughs> Tasia, where can people find out more about us? 
Yes, you can actually, we are on all the things. So just look up AI Name This Show. And also we would really, really very much love your feedback. So what do you like? What don't you like? We have thick skin. I don't care. Send it our way. Feedback at AINamedThisShow.com. 26 episodes and that's what it's come to. I don't care. I think it's 27 and you know what? What? We lost. It's not that many that we should have lost track. I know. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of AI Named This Show. AI and goodbye. It is 27. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.